Luke chapter 18, verse 8. Just the second part of that verse is very well known. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand or near. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we just thank you for your presence among us. We pray as we turn to your word that you would help us, that you would anoint us. Lord, that you would give us ears to hear. Lord, touch our lips with a living coal. Lord, off that altar today, Lord, we pray, O oh, Father, we ask that eyes would be opened and hearts Lord, would be opened supernaturally by the power of your Spirit. And Lord, that your word would find a good seedbed that would bring forth much fruit. Lord, we give you the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats uh, together this morning. When the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? And Paul writes concerning the day of Christ being near. He says that that day will not come it cannot come unless there first uh, be a falling away, or the Greek word there, as you would know, is the apostasia, or the apostasy. There'll be a great falling away in the last days. We heard about uh, that just last weekend uh, through the messages, that there will be a falling away, or people would forsake the Lord. People would turn away from the faith that they once believed, they once were brought up in that way, or they knew that way. And then there'll be a great turning away from that way. And we know that that is what's happening today. There are multitudes that have, that have been brought up in, in the things of God, particularly in this country, that knew the Lord, that walked with the Lord, that were brought up in that way. But today, sadly, they've turned away or they've fallen away. Jesus, at one stage in his ministry, when those disciples were following him, you know, there was a time when he brought a revelation to them about that flesh and that blood, and many of them could not grasp what he was saying. And it says that they turned away. Many disciples went back. And then the Lord said to them, to Peter and the disciples, he said, will ye also go away? Will you also leave me? Will you also turn away from me? Will you forsake me? And Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, he says, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Where else can we go this morning? It's only Christ. It's only him. You know, when he comes, because he is coming, the Lord is coming and he's coming soon, but when he comes, the Lord asks the question, it is a question in Luke 18 and 8, he says, shall I find faith on this earth? When he comes, 
Shall he find faith on the earth? We know there's a lot of definitions of faith in the world, but there's a biblical understanding of what faith actually is. Faith, faith, you know, a lot of people say, I have faith, but it's not what faith you have, it's where you place your faith. It's faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 2 and verse 8, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. This is faith. This is biblical faith. It's faith in the person. It's not of us. You know, a lot of people will say, but I'm a good person. It's nothing of you. It's all of him. By faith and by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God. That's faith in the person. And then there's a faith that's lived out every day because we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll live that faith out every day. James says, faith without works is dead. There's the evidence of a daily walk with the Lord. Not just that at one stage in your life you walk with the Lord, but today you walk with him. It's a daily walk that you walk with him every day. And then there's the faith, and we're going to come to this this morning, the faith that pursues, the faith that overcomes Jesus said in Matthew 10 and verse 22, he says, Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. And then he says, But he that endureth to the end, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. That word endureth means abides, endures, or perseveres. He that perseveres to the end is going to be saved. And I know we're near the end, brothers and sisters, and friends, this morning we're near the end and we need to persevere and endure right to the end. We've been looking at Gideon over these couple of months and I want you to turn back this morning. That was just an introduction to this really, but I want you to turn back to Judges chapter 7. If you have your Bible this morning, Judges chapter 7, just keeping in mind about this faith this morning that overcomes a faith that endures. Judges chapter 7, just the background if you're not familiar with Gideon, we know that Gideon was a judge in the Old Testament, one of the judges. He was really, in real terms, he was a nobody. But yet God seen in him a heart that was after him. He had a heart that was after the heart of God. And he was a nobody really in the grand scheme of things. But he had this prayer. He was looking for the great miracles of the past, the great things that he had heard of, the great testimonies, the great outpourings, the great miracles of God. He had this in his heart. And it was at a time when Israel had backslidden from the Lord. They'd gone far from the Lord. And so God was bringing judgment upon Israel. And that we know that the Midianites were coming in. They were devouring their land. They were devouring their harvest. And in his heart, he was crying out just for God to do something. He was crying out for the reality of God. And God laid hold of Gideon and spoke to him and raised him up and seen in him what he could not see. He was just simply a man that was available. He was a man that just opened his heart to the purposes of God. And God apprehended Gideon. And God then, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. You remember, he blows the trumpet. Israel's awakened. And there's 32,000 men that rise up in Israel to fight against the Midianites. The Midianite army was 135,000 strong. And so the Lord says to Gideon, when those, uh, those, those 32,000 arrived, that there's far too many to, to fight this fight. And so God reduces that army right down to 300 men. 300 men are going to go out to fight an army of 135,000. 
And so we, we pick it up here in Judges chapter 7 and verse 9. It says, At the same night that the Lord spoke to Gideon, he said, Arise and get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you fear to go down, go thy with Pharaoh thy servant down to the host. And thou shalt hear what they say, and afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then it says, Then he went down with Pharaoh his servant unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And this is a remarkable moment. The Lord wanted to strengthen Gideon's heart because God knows our frame. He knows that our weaknesses. He knows that when we see the things that are happening that we haven't got it all together. We're just men and women. We're of like passions as the prophets. We know the troubles and the trials of life. But we see that God had a great purpose for the life of Gideon and God's people because they've called out to the Lord for a mighty deliverance. And so Gideon heads down. God wants to encourage him. God wants to send him down to here. It's a remarkable thing really because God saying, I want you to go and listen to what the enemy's saying. I want you to go and hear what they're saying amongst themselves. And you're going to be encouraged when you hear what they're saying. So Gideon goes down within an earshot of that host of the Midianites. And this is a remarkable thing. This shows the, the divine sovereignty of God over all matters. Because what actually had happened here, God had revealed in a dream to one of the soldiers of the Midianites, God had revealed to him uh, this uh, loaf of barley rolling down a hill, hitting the tent of the Midianites and wiping out all the Midianites. And God had given one in the enemy's camp this dream. And then at the same time, he's telling his friend about this dream that he had. And his friend is going to interpret the dream. He said, surely this is the sword of Gideon. This is the hand of the Lord that he is going to come and destroy us. And all that happened at the same time that Gideon and Pharaoh are listening to their conversation. Now, if God's not in control, God's in control of all the conversations. God is revealing his purposes, his plan. We must know that there's a lamb on the throne this morning. We must know that God's in control of all the affairs of men, kingdoms, presidents, kings and queens, all the rulers of this world. I'm going to tell you, above it all, there's an almighty God and his name is Jesus. And he is in control. You know, things just don't, don't happen by mistake or coincidence. I believe that God's in control of everything, of every purpose. God is working. We may not see it all the time, but God wants to encourage your hearts this morning. Can you see Gideon going down? Just him and his servant. God knew that Gideon even was afraid. He said, listen, if you're afraid to go on your own, just bring your servant with you. But when you get there, you're going to be so encouraged. So you can see Gideon and his servant and they're going down into the camp and they maybe don't want to go too close because there's 135,000 of them. They were like locusts in the valley. And so Gideon goes down with the servant and they just get within enough distance to hear their conversation. And they're standing, these two soldiers are standing armed. God had given somebody in the enemy's camp a dream. God is above everything. God can speak to anyone, anywhere across this globe in an instant. We are concerned so often, rightly so, for our loved ones that are not saved. The circumstances that we have in our homes, is God working? Is God moving? God's always working. God's always moving. It can only take a conversation. 
It seems maybe like an, uh, just a, a chance happening that they meet someone and then suddenly that word of the Lord is planted in their heart and God begins to break through. And so Gideon's listening and he hears him saying, that's the, that's, the, that's the sword of Gideon. That's the hand of the Lord in this man, Gideon. We have heard about him. I know he's only a farmer. I know that he's, that he's a nobody, but God has laid his hand upon him and God takes nobodies and he makes them somebodies. And so here Gideon is listening to this conversation. And so now he's, he's about to return with his heart and courage. He hears what the enemy thinks. And that reminds us, of course, of when Joshua sent in the two spies. Remember, he sent them into Jericho, this great city with its great walls, with all its people inside. They were secure because the walls were so high. They were so thick. And Joshua says, I want to send you in. I want you to spy out that city. And when they get in there, they find themselves that they were lodging in the house of a prostitute. No mistakes. This prostitute Rahab was about to be saved. But God had planted his men right within that. And what did she say? We have heard about your God. Everybody in this city are afraid. We have heard of the great things that he's done. We have heard how he's led you through that wilderness. We have heard how he destroyed those Egyptians. And now you've come here. And friends, that's like the world this morning with all the great walls that they build up around themselves. They're trusting in those walls. They're trusting in perhaps their finances, their careers, and, and their good living, and their righteous deeds, and they're trusting in those things. But friends, I'm going to tell you, those walls are going to drop someday. You know, we, we were taught the little children's chorus when we went to uh, the Baptist uh, children's meeting on Tuesday nights with Uncle Trevor and uh, Auntie Rosemary and, and thank God we still sing it to the Andean who still teach it to our kids. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Remember that chorus? The wise man built his house upon the rock. Praise the Lord. And that house stood when the winds and the rains came but the foolish man he built his house in the sand and when the winds come when the storms come, when the rains come, that house is going to fall. Everyone in Jericho believed that they were safe because of the walls that built around themselves. And it's a bit like the world today all around us. Friends, I want to tell you, there's people waking up within a hundred yards of this church this morning. And in their hearts and in their conversation, they're saying, not another day. They're waking up suicidal. They're waking up not, worried, not knowing who to turn to or, or where to go. They're waking up in the mess of the night before and they're drinking their sin and their filth. And they're waking up and their heads are sore and their pockets are empty. They're waking up and they're looking for another fix or how will they get through the day. And such were some of you. Just drunkards and wasters but saved by the grace of God. And they're whispering that to themselves this morning. Is there a way out of all of this? You know, listening to that radio just a few days ago, it, it just stirred my own heart to hear of those six men in the, in the streets of Belfast. Six men that overdosed in the last two weeks. Six men. Six men waking up maybe in alleyways, wondering about another day, or where to go, or who to turn to, tormented with the demonic forces that lay hold of them. And God hears their cry. Friends, how we need a move of the Spirit of God. You know, the, the man who wakes up this morning puts his best on trusting in his own righteousness, saying he's going to the house of God, saying that he's going to trust himself to be saved. I'm going to tell you, friends, 
There's a parable in this book, and it tells us, Jesus tells us of the king that made a supper. And he sends out the servants and bid them to come, but they wouldn't come. They were too busy. They were building. They were marrying. They were doing all these things. And they were too busy to come to the supper. And then the Lord sends the servant out and he says, Go get the poor. Get the broken. Get the maimed. Get those that nobody has any time for. Bring them into my house. And they bring in the poor and the broken and the maimed. And he says, And there's still room. Because my house is going to be full. I'm going to tell you, friends, his house is going to be full. His house is going to be full. And the invitation goes out. Will you come? And Gideon hears the, the, the camp in the camp of the wicked, as it were. He hears their cry. He hears, he hears what they're saying, that God is about to move and move mightily. And he returns stirred up, encouraged and excited to instruct the men of God to say, listen, God's on our side. God's about to do a mighty work. You know, I wonder, can you think this morning, how do you think Gideon returned to the 300 men when he heard what they were saying? In the, how do you think he returned? How do you think that he walked into that great company of 300 men and to tell them, what way do you think he walked in? But think about it this morning. They just, he just heard that those are dreaming about the great miracle that God's about to do, that they're about to be defeated by the mighty hand of God with 300 men against 135,000. And Gideon's heart stirred, and he runs in, as it were. Can you imagine someone bursting through the doors this morning? Say one of our Sunday school children bursting through the doors, and they just shout out this morning, God's on our side! Oh, think about it. You think of one of our young ones bursting through the doors and get a revelation of God's for us. Who can be against us? And we're all sitting here. Well, it's another meeting near dinner time. Wonders the roast burnt. Is it going to be a good day? What temperature is going to be today? What's happening? Friends, when Gideon got back to that army, I believe he got back in and burst through into that crowd and said, Men, we, we are on the victory side. Brothers and sisters, God's for us, and if God's for us, who can be against us? Man, this morning, the devil's defeated. Christ is victorious. He's on the throne. He's coming for a glorious church. He's coming for a mighty victor, a victorious church. Wake up, church. We're on the victory side. I believe that's what he would have done. He bursts into that camp and he says straight away, right, we need to divide this into three companies. Three one hundred. Do you imagine trying to do that in the modern church? Well, I'm not going to that company because she's there. Can you imagine what it would be like? Can I go into this one because I'm not too fond of him over it? Can you imagine it in the last brothers and sisters? We need to waken up to the very last moments of time as we've been hearing so clear that God wants to do a mighty work. God's about to breathe. God's about to breathe. God is on the throne. God, as we have heard, I believe it. Do you believe it? That he's coming for a glorious church. Do we believe what we hear? Yeah. He's about to burst through the clouds. He's about to come in all his splendor. And he's about to come in all his glory. And he's going to raise up his people. And that's what I'm hearing in the Spirit. That's what we're hearing in these days. That God is raising up an army. Paul talks about soldiers that endure hardness. As good soldiers of Christ, Gideon goes back into the midst of that host. 
And he says in verse 15, he says, he hears the telling of the dream and the interpretation. He worshiped the Lord and he returned and said to those, Arise for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. Can you imagine? 300 men, 300 men. Think about it for a moment. 300 men standing. Gideon says, The Lord has delivered this army. 135,000 men. This is not a fairy tale, brothers and sisters. This is the God that we serve this morning. Arise. Be encouraged. Saints of God, arise. That's what he's saying. He has to pour in that encouragement and we need to encourage one another, don't we? Anybody need encouragement? Anyone at all need encouragement? Arise. We're not defeated. Thank God we're on the victory side. We're in Christ this morning. We can't be defeated. And he says, arise, stand up, men of God, women of God. Make your stand for Jesus. Stand in your home. Stand in your workplace. Stand in the streets. Stand wherever you are. But stand, having done all, stand up for Jesus. And so he cries out to those 300 in verse 16, it says of Judges 7 that he divided the 300 men into three companies. Look at this. This is remarkable. I mean, the message this morning, the title really is a trumpet, a broken vessel, and a lamp. A trumpet, a broken vessel, and a lamp. That's all that God gave them to defeat this army. What do we need for this day? I'm going to tell you we need nothing else but Jesus only. A trumpet in every man's hand, empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. Verse 17, and he said unto them, Look at me, and do likewise, and behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that, as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow your trumpets also in every side of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the three hundred men, now we're with him, came onto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle of the watch. That's about midnight, I believe. And they had newly set the watch and they blew the trumpets, break the pitchers that were in their hands. And three companies, the three companies blew the trumpets, break the pitchers, held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp and all the host ran and cried and they fled. It's actually remarkable. 300 men, 300 men with a trumpet, with a pitcher and a lamp and just a cry of victory in their hearts that God was with them. Think about it for a moment, brothers and sisters. There's nothing fancy here. But there's just God in the midst of men that were willing to be obedient to the Lord. They stand in their place. You know, I believe about a year or so, maybe a year or more, that just these few scriptures, these few verses were very much quickened. They were quickened in a meeting. I know someone prayed it also. And then it was very much quickened that I believe that God wants his men and women to stand in their place. All across this island of Ireland that men and women of God stand in their place. Stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what's happening in the world. Don't be afraid of what man will, man will do unto us. Don't be afraid of the rise of the Antichrist in the spirit of this age. Don't be afraid of it, brothers and sisters, because if Christ is in us, that which is born of God overcomes the world. 
We have nothing to fear. And these men stand on the edge of this camp. It's just a beautiful scene when they stand there, these three groups of 100 men. I don't believe they're just standing in a huddle, but they were spread across. And as Gideon blew that trumpet, the blowing of the trumpet so important. The sounding of that trumpet, the trumpet speaks of, of an alarm. There's an alarm in these days. There's a warning that's coming out in these days. Listen to me, everyone. It's so important you hear this. There's a sound of an alarm. There's a sound of an alarm. Ezekiel the prophet says in Ezekiel 33, If when he seeth the sword that comes upon the land, that he will blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning... If the sword comes and take him away, his blood shall be upon his head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not the warning. Listen, if you're not saved in this room this morning, have you taken the warning? Can you see what's happening? Can you see the events unfolding? Can you see the wars and the rumors of war and the falling away? Can you see the fear that's rising that the Bible tells us will happen? Are you aware of it? Can you see it? And the sound of the trumpet, have you been warned? Because we're in the last days, it's time to get right with God. This is the sound of the trumpet. We need to warn people in love. We need to warn people that we're in the last days. Christ is coming soon, that we're in a crisis. The world doesn't know where to turn or what to do. There's a warning that comes because there's so many that maybe even come to church or go to church regularly, but they're not right with the Lord. They're not walking with the Lord. You know, you can't just go out on a Saturday night and party and then walk in the church the next morning. No man can serve two masters because you'll either love the one and hate the other. And in your heart, you know you're not right with God, but you're playing the religious game. I want to tell you, friends, it's dangerous. He that endures to the end shall be saved. Too many playing games in church, especially young people. Well, I made a decision when I was four, but I'm going to live whatever way I want. I want to tell you, friends, you can't live whatever way you want. You've been bought with the price. You're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. You have no rights but to give your life to God. There's a culture, and it's a worldly culture that comes into the church today that it does not matter what way you live or what you do or how you act. But I want to tell you, friends, that's contrary to the Scriptures because if a man is truly born again, he brings forth the fruit meat for repentance. There's a desire to follow the Lord. You see, I don't do those things anymore, or many people in this room that once did them. The reason why we don't do them isn't because there's a law that says don't do that. It's because we have no desire to do those things because we have a new heart. That's what the born-again experience is. To be born, you're given a new desire. The desire is for the things, the things of the heavenly. So the sound of the trumpet, if you hear the sound of the trumpet, but you don't take the warning, you don't take the warning, then your blood's upon your own head. You're responsible for it. You're responsible. So then they break the clay jars. Here's 300 pitchers or vessels. They had the light in there, but for the light to shine, they had to break those clay jars. Can you imagine all at the one time, 300 jars being clattered to the ground, a great crash. No wonder in that midnight watch when they, when they wakened and they heard the sound of that trumpet going, 
And then they heard that great crash. I want to tell you, friends of God, if we really want God to use us, then I believe that the vessels that he uses are vessels that are broken. We really want God to use us, then the vessels that he uses need to be broken. The Bible says that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. O oh God, thou wilt not despise. God's looking for a people that are humble, to use them for his glory to be shone through them, for the light to shine. That lamp, no matter how dark it's going to get, but the light is going to shine the brighter. It's going to shine the brighter. Did we sing it this morning? Maybe not this morning. We did sing one of them recently, but give me oil. We need the oil in the lamps for the lamp to be able to shine. We need the Holy Ghost to shine. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel, but a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. The light, the light must shine, but the light only shines when the vessels are broken. Oh God, would you break religion? Would you break all the tradition of man? Would you break all the stiffness, would you break it all down that the light and the power of the Holy Ghost would work in this land? You know, they had a shout when they broke those vessels. They simply called out the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. I mean, they called that out with the top of their voice. I'm not going to do it this morning, but they did do it. They just called out with the top of their voice, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. What a moment when God was about to bring them this mighty victory. But I want to close this morning and say this. All of this peels in the near insignificance. It is significant from what we're about to witness and what we're about to see in this world. Like what a victory. But see what this world is about to see. Listen, friends, I believe that in the hearts of many a people all around this town and across this land this morning, they're waking up, they're tired, they're fearful, they're suicidal, and they're broken. Yes, the religious will still do their thing, but there's a world out there, if God could let us hear what they're saying, they know that there's a way out, or they're looking for a way out of this miserable life that they're living. But this all peels into nearly insignificance with about what's to happen in this world. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Oh, we've heard that all our lives. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, we can never become familiar with this great truth. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is what we will witness, I believe. It's upon us. I can't tell you what day because no man knoweth the day or the hour. But I believe that the signs of his coming are all around us. And if we're not awakened to that reality, brothers and sisters, we'll fall asleep into this worldliness and into the spirit of this age. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, Paul writes, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them 
which have died in Christ, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Praise the Lord. It's good to have hope this morning. Have you got the blessed hope? Praise God. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Christ will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Verse 16 says these words, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. I thought Gideon's shout was something else, but it's nothing compared to this shout. When the Lord comes, he says he's going to come with a shout. All across this world, I've heard preachers say this. I totally disagree. They say, oh, it's great that, you know, we've advanced in technology because you have internet and 24-hour news so they can show the second coming of the Lord. I want to tell you, the Lord doesn't need Sky News. No. He doesn't need Sky News. He doesn't need Microsoft or, oh, that's really hand. That's going to help the Lord out. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, what a sad day we're living in when we hear such nonsense. The creator of the universe and the galaxies and they found another black hole and I'm sure they'll find a few more. But I want to tell you something, the creator of it all and contains all of that within himself doesn't need the BBC. When he lights up this whole universe with his coming with 10,000 times 10,000 of his angels, he bursts through into that universe. Can I tell you, friends, forget about NASA. Forget about all that man can do. But in that moment when that great shout comes and the king of glory comes bursting through the skies, what a day it's going to be. What a day it's going to be. And the wonderful hope that we have, because if there is no re resurrection, then we're just miserable. We really don't have a faith but you see, this is the promise. This is the promise. I've said it before, but I would like to be in a graveyard when he comes because that's going to be something else. See all those headstones redeemed and the wee verses died in Christ at home at last. And then you see those resurrections all across those graveyards, those bodies being united again with their spirit. I'm going to tell you what a day. Imagine being in Roselawn. Can you imagine? It's going to be something else. Friends, I believe this. And so it says, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. Can you imagine that trumpet? Gideon's trumpet was amazing, 300. But this trumpet, this trumpet's something else. The trump of God. It's going to awaken and alert the whole world suddenly. Just suddenly. Think about it. You know, I think in these moments, I'm not trying to, but I think in these moments of so many that were brought up in church, heard the gospel, went to Sunday school, sat in children's meetings, think of so many, and now they're all away, and they're pushing all that out of the side, and there's no interest anymore in the things of God, not interested in Christ coming, not interested in the gospel, not interested anymore, but they heard it all. Can you imagine? Can you imagine some of these, these dear souls standing in some den of iniquity, some disco, and partying it out and thinking they're having a great time and suddenly everything just stops. 
People start to run out onto the streets, you know. They'll, they'll cry when they see him coming. They'll cry with fear that the rocks would fall on him. Those that pierced him. Can you imagine what it's like when he comes? When his feet touch down in the Mount of Olives, those nail pierced feet. Can you imagine that moment in all of glory and all of the history of mankind and all of what's happened, the glorious return of Christ? Can you imagine that moment? A great shout in the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the Bible says, and the dead in Christ are going to rise. Just suddenly, out of all across the world, in the seas, and the graves, no matter what's happened, out of all of that, they all rise up. What? Out of every tribe and every tongue, what a gathering. And then something else happens. Then we which are alive and remain. That means that there's a people on the earth that walk with God, that have endured, that believe God. Maybe just like this morning, we're singing the songs and we may not get the right key, the right words. It doesn't really matter. Our, our words might be up the left and everything's going wrong. It doesn't really matter. But then in a moment, can you imagine? And all the, the team at the back are panicking, how do you get this fixed? But then in a moment, we're all up and through the roof. Alex often says, he says, I don't know how he's going to get me through there, but I'm going through there. They put that lift-in form between the floors. He says, I'll not need that soon. I'm going to get the greatest lift you've ever seen. Because instantly we're all changed. How's it going to happen? No more bad backs, sore necks, all the rest of it. Or we get a new body. Instantly changed. It's all changed in a moment. And suddenly we're all caught up to meet the Lord in the air. There is going to be a meeting in the air, isn't there? It's going to be great. Will you be there? We which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord, to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever, ever be with the Lord. That's going to be someday. Listen, friends. Here's the truth. What if it was today? What if it was today? What if it was before? You see, this is going to happen. I don't know when, but it is going to happen. It's going to happen. But what, what, what if it was right now? Anyone believe it's possible? But what, what happens right now? The shout, the trump. All across this world, you'll hear in that moment, I believe you'll hear brakes screeching, people stopping, cars crashing. People running out of their houses, looking up in the sky as the whole of this world is lit up with the glory of God. And tens upon ten thousands of angels. And who's leading the camp? But Christ himself. What if it was now? Can you imagine for a moment? Can you imagine the religious 
Can you imagine those that just do it on a Sunday? Get their Sunday best on, go to church, live like a devil on a Monday. Can you imagine? Can you imagine those that two will be in the field, one will be taken, so the Bible says, and the other left. Two will be in the bed, one will be taken, and the other left. Can you imagine? See, there's a great separation. Or oh, someone said to me, once, well, and it doesn't matter the denomination, but they said, I was born a Presbyterian, I'll live a Presbyterian, and I'll die a Presbyterian. He could have said Pentecostal, because it doesn't really matter. I want to tell you, friends, I was born a sinner, but I was born again on the 12th of September, 1993, and it's not because I'm a Pentecostal, a Presbyterian, a Roman Catholic, or a good Protestant, or a good Catholic. I want to tell you, friends, it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that I'm going to make it that day. Nothing else. Think about those that have sat through those gospel meetings under conviction. My mum's my mom's uncle, she told me, sat through two weeks of a W.P. Nicholson. Her dad brought his brother-in-law the W.P. Nicholson mission on the Donegal Road. W.P. Nicholson, one of the great evangelists that ever graced this part of the world. For two weeks, he sat through those meetings under conviction. And at the end of it, as far as we know, he never surrendered his life to Christ. See, it's not enough to be convicted. You must be converted. Oh, I feel his presence. It's not enough. You must repent and you must be born again. Think of all those that sit through meetings. Think of our loved ones. Think of it in a moment. At some point in all of this, he's going to come. What a day. I'm looking forward to that day. But there's just one part, and I believe it's right. I'm saying, Lord, there's so many more that need to come in. I'm not telling him what to do. I'm just saying, Lord, there's so many more need to come in. Lord, it's your long suffering that extends time. Even one more day. It's God's long suffering. It's not because of man trying to save the planet. Oh, friends, it's God's long suffering. But he is coming. He's coming soon. I'm glad I'm born again. Glad I'm ready. Before you leave this meeting today, make sure you get right with God. Get right with God. Walk with God. Endure to the end. The same shall be saved. Praise the Lord, he's coming soon. I can't wait to hear that sound. But if he comes or calls, I'm ready to go. That's all that matters. Are you ready to go? Praise the Lord. Let's pray together this morning.